A dance CEO thrives every day with focus on gratitude, growth, and feeling aligned. Unapologetically putting themselves first, striving to become their best self personally and professionally, creating their own definition of fulfillment and success, rejecting the starving artist mentality and competition mindset for one of abundance in all things, including the success of other dance business owners. Welcome to the Dance CEO Podcast. Hello, I'm Audra Allen, the Dance CEO Coach, lifelong dancer, choreographer, and educator, I'm a happily remarried, part-time mom of two little humans and three bonus little humans, proud thriver of adult-diagnosed ADHD, lover of the beach, travel, houseplants, reading, and your host for today's episode. Thank you for being here. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Danceo Podcast. I'm so excited to have with you my guest and dear friend, Olia, who is the CEO and founder of The Dancer Next Door. She's an adult ballet educator. Welcome, Olia. Thank you so much for having me, my friend. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a little, it's not much different for us. We actually hop on calls every week on Monday and do a, a check-in. Um, well, before we dive into those details, tell us a little bit more about you. Where are you located, first of all? I am located in Greece. Uh, when I started my business, I was in the UK, but for the last two years and a bit, I'm back home in Greece. I love that. And actually, I love knowing that I have a really dear friend in Greece because it's a goal of mine to go there. And so Oli and I talked about swapping locations and being personal tour guides to each other when we visit each other's locations. <laughs> that is happening in the next couple of years. That's it my goal. Yeah, it's happening. We're manifesting that. That's amazing. Well, I'll give everybody a little bit of a backstory and how we know each other. So surprise, surprise, we met on Instagram. But actually, we met before Instagram, we actually met on an all-female entrepreneur membership group and we both were starting out our businesses and we both discovered that we were like one of the few dance business owners in this group and we connected and we took our conversation to Instagram and we just started hopping on Zoom calls and decided to, to show up and support each other regularly and they've turned into how many years has it been now? I think it's three years isn't it? Yeah I think three, it's three been years. Over yeah. three years that we've been having pretty much essentially weekly calls. And of course, at first it was, you know, uh, support as colleagues with our businesses. I, mean, I was doing something similar at the time with her, I was teaching virtual da adult dance lessons as well. But we both have had lots of things happen personally and professionally. And of course, over three years of weekly calls, a natural turned into a really dear friendship. And now I'm really grateful to call Olia a, such a close friend of mine. And I really look forward to our Monday morning calls. It's a really great way to help me start off my week. Yeah, I mean, you are, and I'm not just saying that, you are my one of my, like, my top five friends, you know, Ooh, alongside all wow. people that I've, I've known all my life. And I'm not saying that uh, lightheartedly. I, I'm fully aware of what that means. Um, and yeah, so I'm really grateful. Thank you. I will have to say that a good portion of the reason why business is still successful today is because of the conversations with Olia. There's been a lot of really good, honest feedback. There's a lot of insight and help. And it's just been amazing to have such a um, also very gifted business owner by my side to help support each other on our journeys. I want to dive more into you, Olia, specifically, because clearly I, I could spend this whole podcast just raving about you. But let's talk more about you so the listeners know you and hear you more than just me talking. Just tell us more about your business. What is it? Who do you serve? 
So I, I help adult ballet students uh, discover their inner dancer that is somewhere deep down there. There's usually, you know, a childhood dream or a love discovered a little bit later in life. And I'm here to prove that there's no, there's no limit to when you can start and to how much you can progress and how much you can achieve in this beautiful world of ballet. So yeah, that's what I do. I teach adults online. Um, and I'm, I'm really doing it really thoroughly with all the details and all that, the nerdy technical stuff. And yeah, that's my jam. So you're one of the first people to do virtual online as well. It's been over three years and, uh, let's just dive a little bit more into that journey. What was it like when you first started doing it online? Tell me about like your setup behind the scenes. What was your space like that you were doing all this in? Actually, that makes me laugh because sometimes I go back and watch videos from my very first lessons and it's just hilarious, my setup at the time. So, so first of all, I started, I had this idea. I thought I was like ahead of my time, you know, to teach online. And then a month later, the pandemic happened. So everyone went online and I was like, come on, really? So, <laughs> so that was the beginning. And I, at the time, I lived in a teeny tiny flat in the UK without any space, without, I didn't have an office space, I didn't have a living room. And even the floor was actually a little bit crooked, like everywhere. So there was no complete, you know, straight surface in the whole flat, which, I mean, it makes, for one thing, balance quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so... I literally the first few of my group classes, so I started with a membership class and I taught every Tuesday and Friday and literally I had to push all of my stuff, you know, as far as I could outside the, the frame and but you can still see like chairs and, you know, coats behind and yeah, that's that was the setup and it was just me and my really old laptop. I didn't have have a microphone I didn't have lighting so yeah if anyone is wondering whether you can start from nothing you can <laughs> I'm living yeah I think everyone who ended up shifting to online during the pandemic can relate to that at some degree right like we all had it was like welcome into our personal spaces in our lives welcome to our homes <laughs> what is your space like now you said you moved yes so now I do have a home ballet studio which I'm extremely grateful for um I even have two prints, uh, which I love, which actually were in the studio I used to teach back in the UK when I was doing that online at the same time I was in a, I was teaching for somebody else's um, dance studio. So uh, those prints are still with me. And uh, yeah, they have a bar and everything, like no coats, no, you know, no cups in the background or yeah. I also, of course, work from home, but I would love to hear what it's like for you to live in the same space that you're working pro negatives what's that like for you so i think there's both uh in the mix i mean i do think that you know you there are some motivation can can come from having to step outside of your home and you know have to interact with people but to be honest i think that the positives are so more important at least for me i'm so grateful that i don't have to you know commute for hours every day um that i can create my my schedule exactly how i want it to to look like 
I can, you know, I can be flexible with my students, which is very important, especially because I teach across the globe. Time zones are always going to be a problem. So the fact that I don't have even more restrictions due to commute times and, you know, um, it's just, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I like it so far. I'm not bored of it, of it yet. So I'm, I'm enjoying being at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I love being at home too for work, but I hadn't thought about how you said with the, the time zones. Yes, I also have clients worldwide, but I hadn't thought about the fact that if I was working externally, the commute time would limit my availability for my clients. So thanks for that clarity. I also was teaching online and from home before the pandemic. So I was already like mentally ready for that. And it served me well in my first space. I had a separate room to move and work in and teach my lessons online. Um, right now, my workspace, I'm actually, how I'm set up is I'm actually, I can see my bed <laughs> and it's in my bedroom. But one thing that I found successful is that each area that I, I'm using, like my bed, like the, the, live, the sleeping part of my bedroom is set up like a bedroom. And then I have my dedicated office space. So it still feels different. And I've mentally been like, this is my workspace. That's my sleep space. And then also I set up an area in my kitchen as if I had like a break room at the office. I've got like my tea station and all of that. So when I like go down to the kitchen, like I feel like I am adding different components into my my living, like my home. So I feel like I'm also having a work part to my day versus just I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> so yeah. Actually, that when you asked about my workspace, I, I had in mind like where I'm teaching, but actually I also have an office space, which is in my living room. And yeah, I can see my sofa all day. I mean, it's not the same as your bed, but um, I completely see what you mean. I mean, I completely see the corner where my desk is, is a completely separate room to the actual living room where I would, you know, hang out and watch TV or whatever at nighttime. So like when I sit here, like I'm working, I don't use this space for anything else. So it's not like a mental confusion for me. Like I have all my, my boards up on the wall, my calendar, my stick, like all the things it is set up and dedicated for work. The other thing though, is with my ADHD is that I can't just have this one workspace. So there's a few other spaces throughout my home that are like conducive to where I can just go plop down and work there for a few hours with my laptop. Like I actually have a seating area in my bedroom by the window that I have a little like tabletop there that I can just go sit by the window if I want or down on my couch or my husband's desk if he's not here. And also, honestly, I love working in the bathtub. I know that sounds maybe crazy, but I will, if I need to do a lot of creative work, I don't want any distractions. I'll go hop in the tub for a few hours. I have like a bamboo tray and I'll take my laptop in there and I'll go spend a few hours in my tub. So th that's another perk of working from home. I couldn't do that if I was at an office. So... <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't planned on diving into this topic, but we both have been working, you know, from home this entire time for our businesses. And I absolutely love it. But also, I know you do this too, is I step out and go to coffee shops too. You know, I'll go to other spaces just to change up as well. So I have the freedom of working where I want to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, that's, well, I mean, for me, coffee shops are my love language. It's like, <laughs> I just, I love taking myself to coffee dates so much. Um, and I find it more useful that when I have to do some kind of a, a bigger task, for example, creating a lot of uh, content or writing, you know, um, things like that, that take a lot of concentration and brain energy, I find that's the best thing to actually step outside, see the sun, go sit somewhere, just dedicated for that. Mm. So usually those days are for me. Yeah, go find a coffee shop on my laptop. <laughs> yeah, same. I definitely have been finding 
that yeah the shift in the space i'm in really helps the shift in my energy and also just being around others right i do love connecting with people remotely all over the world but there's something about the physical energy so going and just sitting in a coffee shop and reconnecting with humans in my same space has been really rejuvenating and sometimes even um, inspirational absolutely i mean here in greece you don't at least my experience i don't want to speak for everybody i don't live in very central areas either so um maybe i'm not the most typical example but i don't I don't see many other people doing that. But when I was back in the UK, I actually had some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life with strangers who were just doing the same thing. And yeah, I miss that, actually. I miss that. I mean, yeah, we have here a uh, common practice here is there's co-working spaces. So there's actually offices set up to where people who might be, you know, solo business owners and stuff, you can either temporarily go work with others in the space or like rent out dedicated desk space every month. And there's nothing really close to me for that. But I do have friends I know who utilize that and they'll go and pay like a monthly membership so they can go in and just work in the community space there. But it's dedicated for work and not just like a coffee shop. And they find success in that. And I love that concept. I wish there was one closer to me and I would totally take advantage of that, I think, too. Yeah, there are, yeah, you can find these places here too, but you know, for me, I say again, it's not very close to me. I would have to go to the center, which commute. I'm not a fan of it. So. <laughs> yep, totally get it. I live in the greater New Orleans area. So like, you know, the city center is not close for me either. But I took my husband to the airport on Friday so he could fly back to his home in Florida. No, on Saturday. And I had like five hours to kill before um, my kid, like having my kids back from their dad. And so instead of just coming back home and working, I went to my favorite coffee shop in the city and I sat there and worked for five hours. And that was amazing. So just taking advantage of the fact that if you have a laptop, you can work anywhere situation. And I did that. <laughs> Let's dive more into why specifically the business model you've chosen or the, the topic, the focus, teaching adult dancers. Maybe a little backstory on your dance training and upbringing and stuff. Absolutely. So uh, I started ballet actually when I was five. I was not an adult. I was not, you know, it wasn't late in life or anything like that. But um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not your typical ballet dancer in terms of, you know, body and all of that stuff. So for the longest time, I had to really fight to be taken seriously, if that makes sense. And then eventually I did have a little break. So I found myself back in the dance world after a few years of a break at the age of 16. And I know it sounds crazy now to think about it, but at the time I thought I was really old, right? <laughs> 16. So, and to be honest, I was treated like it. Like I would be put in classes with, you know, middle-aged people who had just started, although I had like years of training behind me. So I felt that that sense of not belonging. And then until I met the right teachers who actually made a lot more sense. And that's when I actually progressed. And, you know, I had this wonderful teacher back in Corfu, actually. And she she was, her mindset was exactly what mine is now that, you know, it's never too late and you're not even that old anyway. <laughs> but... Um, and she took me seriously and she, you know, she taught me technique from scratch and she went, you know, and I started seeing all these changes in me and I thought, oh, actually, okay, so I could do that. It's just, I didn't know how to. So that was my, I always had that. And that actually was one of the first reasons why I decided that I wanted to become a teacher because I wanted to teach all those people who other teachers don't take seriously. And 
I had that, you know, since the beginning, like I've been teaching since 2012, both kids, adults and everything in between. And I always had that um, as a principle in my teaching back in 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018, I was working like five different jobs and (laughs) I was teaching and I would do any, you know, I had my main teaching job and at the same time I would cover for schools here, there, everywhere. And at the same time, I had to work at a cafe to make ends meet every month. So I was working really long weeks. And at some point I I decided that, you know, there must be another way. There must be a way to really um, just teach full time because that's what I love doing more, more than anything else in my life. So I bought a book called The Idea in You. And it was such a beautiful experience because going through all the homework in that book basically it guides you how to find what your absolute passion is because you might enjoy doing you know several things and through that process I realized that out of all the types of dancing that I love ballet is what I've always loved the most and that has never changed and out of all of all of the groups of different people that I love teaching adults always had my heart so that's how I ended up choosing to teach ballet to adults particularly and since then I mean that was only the beginning and now I'm more than grateful that um, I did that because it's proved to be even better than I expected so how so how's it been better than you expected so at first, my idea was still the same. You know, you know, people love dancing. They don't get the right education. I Here's where I come in. But then in reality is that that's only the, the surface. The fact that I'm teaching people from across the globe is just people, wonderful people who under other circumstances I would never have met. And I now I've had teacher, um, students I've been working for with for three years and a lot of things have happened in my life in the last three years. And those are actually relationships that I'm genuinely grateful for outside the teaching and outside the dancing. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I would say that's something that I've really come to cherish myself is the human relation, like the connections, the human connections with my clients, right? Yes, I'm there to offer service and help them on their journey, but that can only happen with the human connection. So we can only do as much as we're willing to know our clients right and of course in healthy ways we're not like completely becoming boundaryless right we're not like having full access to them and or vice versa but just acknowledging the human side of our journeys that that's amazing and i love that you've recognized and really valued that as well i suspect that since you started your business virtually shortly before the pandemic and you've been consistently teaching the adults have you seen a shift in the adults showing up for your lessons or have you seen a shift in how you've needed to show up to teach them like what has your journey been the last three years um so I've definitely seen a shift in myself um and I do think I mean because you know with social media and the internet we all see the the stuff that we want to see in a way everything is so curated so I don't know whether the shift I've seen in the dance world is actually as big as I think it is, or if it's just because that's what I see, you know what I mean? Um, I do think that there is a shift in general for, you know, to a different direction. I do think that adults in dancing and especially ballet are becoming more and more. Um, I also think that there are more people 
doing activities at home during the pandemic and some of those people have left that ground now um but something that i have seen the last year or so is that now people are so much more comfortable with taking lessons on online which the first year was a lot of figuring it out as you as you go you know i'm sure you 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 must have seen that too mm-hmm. um yeah i mean in terms of my teaching something that i can definitely say is that now i'm so much more confident in the way that i teach and in the tools that I use in my teaching. And I think that's partly because now I run an online business and I'm not in the studio, but also I think it's because it's the very first time that I do something that's completely my own. It is my birthday month. I want to celebrate with you. And so I want to give. So I'm not only just offering one thing, I'm actually offering so many things. So you can decide what is a good fit for you. Have you been wanting to work with me, but maybe my offers haven't been at the right time or the right price point? The second round of the Dance CEO University. It's so freaking exciting that we're already at the round two. The first cohort has been phenomenal, and now it's time to bring in the next six people who are interested in up-leveling their journey if they already have established dance businesses. I'm also bringing back an offer I haven't had in a while, which is a three-hour VIP day with me. We will dive into all the things we need to address. It can be mindset, it can be systems, it can be whatever the topic is your business, you will get me for free solid hours. The last offer I'm making available only exclusively for this month is my New Year Thriving You mini course. Although it says New Year, it actually is applicable at any point in the year and it literally takes you through the process of how to audit and review your past year, get clear on what you want to make happen this year, plan that out, and create an action plan to take you forward. I've had many people already purchase this and execute it with success. It doesn't take very much time. And that will be available to you with the added bonus if you sign up for that. The CEO manifesto that I give to all my clients, but I'll add this to help you continue on your journey. If any of these amazing offers sound appealing, please head to thedanceceocoach.com slash birthday. And you will see there a little bit of everything. Click on what interests you, dive into it, purchase a thing, reserve your seat sign up for a spot with me and this offering in this package is only available for the month of may as you heard there are limited seats for the coaching programs and if you're interested but i did you know a few people are interested themselves and so those are going to go fast dm me if you have any questions or want some more insight and i cannot wait to help you celebrate with me my birthday and helping you grow to become the ceo of your life and your business nobody you know no studio owner told me what material to teach what choreography you know what I should do what I shouldn't do I didn't have to follow anyone else's curriculum it's all me which is a very intense it's a I mean you do need strong mindset at first to to do that because you start thinking you know at first that seems like a great opportunity and you think this is brilliant I don't have to you know follow anyone else's agenda but then when you actually start doing it and it's the beginning and you think oh goodness what <laughs> you know what what if everyone hates it what do I know what I'm doing you know and it almost feels that you forgot everything that you knew your entire life when you jump into this thing <laughs> that's how it, it felt for me anyway the first few months um but very soon I realized that it was all in my head, that the difference wasn't that that much bigger. And actually that gave me a lot more confidence in, in knowing that what I do 
the way that I teach is valuable, regardless if I'm the studio owner or if someone else is. Yeah, I, uh, yes, I can relate to the struggles at the beginning as well, because I started mine a year and a half, the pandemic in 2018. And I'm, I just remember that I knew I wanted to, you know, convey and I could still, I could see the clients and like, I could see the things I would see in the studio. Right. But then we had to figure out how do we make this successful online, which everybody knows I'm talking like, right. As I say this, everybody now understands that concept. But I would say the biggest challenge I had at that with that journey was the lack of energy from being in the same space as your students, right? Because when you're in the when you're in the dance studio, you have each other's energy to feed off of. But when you're online, you are entirely reliant on your own. And so I found it actually a lot more exhausting because I couldn't receive anyone else's energy. You can only do so much through the screen. And so I think that was my biggest challenge was building up the actual endurance for high energy throughout an entire lesson virtually without receiving anything in return. But that endurance actually just helped me continue on with my business virtually. Now I love being in this space and I still know there are people who are tired and burnt out on Zoom and don't want to have Zoom meetings. And I'm like, this is where I live. This is great. So I, I didn't feel exactly like that with my own business because when I, so I first started my business, right? I started teaching online and a month later, the pandemic started. So the studio I was teaching for also went online at the time. So I had to teach on Zoom for both myself and the studio. And with the studio, I had to teach kids, which is a whole other world. <laughs> on zoom so there i did find that what you're talking about the lack of energy the the lack of connection the students don't realize that this is still a classroom because they're in the living room but because adults have the maturity to understand that this is still a lesson i i think that even if that existed it was so more so so much smaller compared to what the classes with the kids were that I didn't even notice if that makes sense and since then I'm just used to it now so Mm -hmm. you know yeah so yeah that definitely makes sense that one of the things I found there's a benefit for me it was for some reason with my spatial awareness and I think honestly it's my ADHD is that when I'm sitting here across from you virtually I actually feel like I'm sitting across from you at your desk like I don't feel disconnected from you I actually feel like I'm in your space with you and I've heard from people that that's not the same for them. Like, so I, I think that's probably why I have no issue being virtual because I, f- I don't feel like you're all the way across the world in Greece. I feel like we're literally in the same room right now. But what is that like for you? Um, I, that's very interesting. Um, I haven't thought about it that much, to be honest. I, I don't, when, so when I talk to you, for example, I never think that, you know, we're on, that I'm talking to my laptop. I think that I'm just <laughs> my friend Audra, but I don't. I wouldn't say that I have the experience that I'm, like, you know, in your space. I don't know. But having said that, so I met out of all the friendships I have made online, I met one person in real life last year. And before that happened, I I, I remember thinking, oh, is that going to be strange? Like seeing this person as like three dimensional for the first time. And it wasn't actually it felt really natural and really normal. You know, it's like, okay, last week we were on Zoom, but now you're here, like, you know, full, full size and everything. And actually it was not, it didn't feel strange. And I think it's partly because we're just all being so, you know, we've we've learned this thing that's called technology and that's called online meetings. 
So I think, I think that's what it is. Hmm. That makes sense. I'm actually, I have yet to meet anyone I've met online in person. And I'm about to meet in a few weeks, one of my very first coaching clients at the start of the pandemic. She's still my client and it turns out she's coming to New Orleans in a few weeks. And so we're going to meet up and I'm like, excited but nervous because I've only ever known her for three years virtually. So um, actually, thanks for sharing your experience. It's actually really good (laughs) to hear and know. But yeah, so good. Well, let's talk about that then. Um, I know one of the perks of working virtually is you're not limited by your location for your business, right? So you said you have clients worldwide. Let's talk to that a little bit more. I mean, I feel like the sky's the limit when we open up our business worldwide and we use the virtual platform yes absolutely um i mean to me it's actually it's surprising that there are still some people who don't get that (laughs) you know um i think that's amazing i mean you know even talking to you now we would never have met audra and i mean i believe that it was meant to be but you know we wouldn't have met at least until now um so, you know, and all of my students are from, you know, all different, like, I have students in Canada and the US and Australia and all these amazing, but even when I was in the UK and I had students in the UK, there weren't students that I would have actually met and re- because they were different, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, definitely sky's the limit. I couldn't agree more. And you get to meet amazing people from all walks of life. I always find that very interesting to, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to me, actually, very to see that no matter where we all come from and where we grew up where we live um you know what our surroundings look like at the end of the day people are people and we all have the same struggles and the same dreams I was actually reflecting on this the other day I just connected with another fellow dance business coach Turns out there's so many coming out of the woodworks and I'm absolutely loving this because there should be more of us in the dance world supporting. And at the beginning of my journey, now there's a lot of imposter syndrome and thinking, well, if there's a few of us, you know, who's going to want to work with me and all of that. Um, But working through that, those limiting beliefs. And now I'm so excited to learn that there's more and how I actually like mentally think how, how I now imagine and work with it is like I can't serve everybody and I kind of hit with like think about it like oh well these coaches are kind of covering that part of the world like this coach I connect with she's in Australia and she's brilliant right and at one point I was working with some clients in Australia but the time zones are so drastically different that it was really hard to work in a way that we both liked the times we were working it was either like 11 o'clock at night or four o'clock in the morning so I can help kind of cover a different realm, you know, a different sphere or different areas. And there's other people who can serve because we can't serve everybody. And there's a lot of adult ballet educators. They can work with those they connect with and you serve those that connect and resonate with you. And I think it's so beautiful that if we view it like that, there is room for all of us. And we'll also continue to serve because we just can't serve everybody. So I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, when it comes to teaching and, you know, any kind of education, really, not just ballet, but... I mean, for me, of course, I had my most impactful teachers, but I actually learned a lot for so many different from a lot of different people. So I do not think that I'd be the one and only teacher for, you know, for a student forever. I do think there is a merit to working with different people. And now with the Internet, you can do that. You know, you can work 
with me that I'm located in Greece. You can work with you. You're in New Orleans. You can work with somebody else who's in Australia. And yeah, time zones. I mean, sometimes when it comes to at least, you know, one-on-one or anything live, there is a barrier there. But because we, I mean, I work in different capacities. I have my recorded courses. It's not necessarily live. So that does give the opportunity to literally anyone who wants to work with me to do that. And I've never seen my fellow teachers as competitors because I do think that we can all contribute at the same time. Um, And sometimes at different stages. And like you said, you know, you're not going to be everybody's teacher and that's okay if there's millions of people in the world. One thing that I know about Olya is that Olya is so passionate about the education she provides for her adult dancers, listeners. And I know you probably can gather that from what we've been talking about. But Olya, what do you think the future is for adult ballet dancers now that so many different um, resources are available to the adult ballet world? Oh my goodness. So that I'm so I'm so here for it. I'm so here for the future. <laughs> in in you know in, in the world of ballet, especially one when it comes to adults, because I know there's still I mean I think we have come a very long way, but I think we're only we've only just scratched the surface, maybe one or two percent. There's so much more to 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 see and to witness. And I do believe that, you know. In I don't know, I don't want to put a timeline, but in some years from now, there might even be adult ballet companies. I mean, I know there are already a few, but I think it's going to be a much more, but much bigger thing because not only people, not only more people are dancing, and not only more teachers are teaching adults properly, but also the world is becoming more accepting to that, to breaking that stereotype when it comes to ballet that you have to, you know train for eight hours a day since you're born to have a very specific body type to only dance until you're 32 and all of those other things and to me I'm not saying that as um, to sugarcoat anything but I do like seeing people from different stages in their lives dancing I do find beauty in that because dancing at the end of the day is an art form isn't it so I think you can you know, you can express your deepest emotions, your deepest thoughts through your movement. And your deepest emotions and thoughts form a lot from your experiences in life. And I think we're only scratching the surface on that. I think people have so much more to give. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. That just had me reflect in my own personal journey as an adult dancer. Um, I've danced since five as well. And Honestly, recently, the last few years, there's been a major lull in my personal dance journey, partially because of the pandemic and uh, needing to move a lot the last few years and travel a lot now. And I just stepped away from being a university professor after eight years. But I don't think I'm done dancing. In fact, I know I'm not. Actually, I know that I will be getting back into it soon and I plan on performing again and I plan on having my own dance company down the road. And if if my 15-year-old self heard me right now say that, they'd be like, uh, you're an old lady. You're turning 38 and you're like, should have been retired years ago. But now, like you said, it's so much more normalized and there's space created for the adults. And we have so much wisdom to bring. There's something about, for me personally, being fully accepting and loving of my body internally and physically and the journey I've been on and what I can bring now to the quality and the artistry of my dancing, that there's nothing, I, there's no way I could have done that, right? With my innocence, even though I thought I knew everything as a teenager in early twenties, 
But now I'm so looking forward to tapping into this next phase of me being a dancer and what my journey has even been in the last five years since my divorce and how that's going to positively impact and influence my journey moving forward as an adult dancer. So thanks for pointing that out because I hadn't thought about that very much. So I just had a little bit of therapy with Olia on the podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> I had a teacher back in the day. And so I've started ballet and modern and tap with the with different kinds of English systems and in the UK there are all these exams uh boards so you know my education looked like that and a lot of my teachers actually when I was doing my teaching diplomas were examiners themselves and one of them told me once that when younger examiners are much harsher when they grade students and at the time I couldn't understand it probably because I was 21 or 22. So, you know, and I said, oh, that's peculiar. I would expect that the opposite would be because the more experience you have, the more, the higher your standards are. And she said, yes, you might know more when it comes to technique or whatever. But when you're older, because you've had, you've gone through stuff, you see other things in people. You see, you know, you see more deeper things rather than is that leg turned out or is the arm soft enough or you know is the 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 ratio between your chin and the shoulder like at you know that degree of 73 (laughs) that you need and I thought at the time I thought okay that's that that that's interesting but I still didn't understand it completely and now I do now I think about that sometimes like I I see what she where she came from you know yeah well I'm just now thinking about my journey as a choreographer and how you know my my early days in my undergrad program as a choreographer I was very much like let's focus on those super superficial details but then like when I had gotten my master's and moved on into professional directing positions in choreography as an artistic director I'm just now thinking about how I shifted that dialogue in the the studio space to where I give an instruction and I have the dancers do whatever they think that is, right? But they're they're understanding that instruction. And then from there, if I feel that it needs to be shifted, I will. And I've started like trusting the artistry of the individual. Whatever you heard me, that's the right answer for now. And then if I think it needs adjustment, I'll let you know. But most of the time I'm like floored because I let them do what feels good for them. Most likely something bigger came out of it in the creation process than what I had in my mind because I didn't understand fully them internally. And so really, I'm going to get super philosophical here and just really deep, but I feel like that just applies to us as humans. If we try to force our expectation or our understanding of someone, our perceived understanding of someone on them or project anything, we just limit the opportunity for the other person to flourish. You know, I I think about this with my clients, you know, I, I share with them feedback and insight, but then ultimately they know themselves best and they can take what I have to say, just like I'm sure you're dance students, right? You say, here, I see this and this, and then they hear what they need to hear and they apply and you say, oh, that's great. Or let me help you a little bit more. I didn't quite see what I'm trying to help you achieve. And you work with the individual, not just a blanket system. And like, it's just when we take it back to being the human first and then whatever our focus is second, we get so much more out of it. There's so much more quality. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, one of the shifts in my teaching and in my dancing, actually, and that came from teaching was the shift between being as perfect as possibly as humanly possible or really enjoying as much as you can what you're doing because at the end of the day you know at the end of my life I don't think I'm gonna think oh remember that dash variation that like you know <laughs> I could have worked more on, on that arabesque 
I know I'm not going to be thinking of that, you know, I know, but, but the things that really speak to your, to your heart, and I think they're much more important. And if you can create as much joy as you can while you're dancing, at the end of the day, that should be the goal. Yeah. And I think, again, it goes back to that whole, the maturity and the wisdom, right? Because when we're younger, we're given the focus of perfection, even though it's unrealistic. And then as we get older, yeah. The beauty of it like the memories i have a lot associated with dance now are the feeling i had with things mm-hmm. not like you said like how bad was that promenade and that adage right how much did i wobble or struggled getting my leading heel to actually lead right or whatever the detail was i don't remember those things much but i do remember the feeling of freedom i had one time waltzing across the floor when everything just clicked that day or like one day my balance was on and i just felt so light and free and or you know the amazing feeling of completing a a performance piece that was extremely difficult, but artistically so satisfying, or just those feel like just the feelings that come from the experiences. Yeah, that's what we're taking with us. That's, thank you, Olia, for that insight. That's beautiful. Okay, getting off our philosophical journey. <laughs> we're coming. We're doing so much. This actually is pretty much like how Olia and I talk. We're all over the place. It's like superficial to like deep personal to some phil- philosophical to like business stuff to like, we just need to cry together for a few minutes or like laugh about something silly. This is very much our journey. <laughs> um, let's shift back into business for a minute. And what are some productivity hacks or some things for others who are also dance business owners in any capacity that you would say this has been a lifesaver for you or something you absolutely enjoy but now you think other people would benefit from Mm, that's a very good question i've gone back and forth in so many i've tried so many different little things and systems here and there um i don't think that i have found the perfect recipe yet but a few of the things that really work for me um planning my days, planning my weeks, planning my months, but at the same time being extremely flexible with that plan and always ready to adjust it because you might have planned the perfect day and then you wake up in the morning and it's just, it's it's not that day. (laughs) Back in the day that would have thrown me off and I would have ended up doing nothing, you know, but now I can still find, I can still be able to do at least one little thing, even if that's, you know, a tiny, tiny step into the right direction is I think is very important so I don't know if that's a productivity hack but Mm -hmm. I think that if you that your goal but my goal every day is to be one percent better at least at one thing and that could be my physical health my business my personal relationships my sleep like whatever it might be and if I manage that one percent I I'm I'm you know I'm gonna give it to myself I'm gonna say okay you're you're good <laughs> you're still and that's very good but that has helped me a lot with keeping the consistency going which we hear this all the time consistency is key but back in the day I would have a bad day and that bad day could have resulted in a whole week like being wasted because you know if it's not perfect it's not at all but mm. now I have I, I manage with that tiny little thing to being able to move forward a little bit so that's one thing and the other thing in my business and that's very practical is automate as much as you possibly can <laughs> like there are so many tools out there that can help you with that so um yeah i automate as much as i can at the lowest cost possible so and that has helped also a lot with you know emails, you know, onboarding students, um, promoting things and everything else in between. So 
that's been a key for me too, but also that there's, there's levels to work through. So if you're just starting out your business, you know, and you don't really have the funds yet, maybe you're not doing as much automation, maybe you pick one thing, you're like, okay, for me, one of my first things I invested in was the scheduling software. So all my clients, I no longer spending so much time back and forth on the emails trying to find a day and time. I just spent $15 a month on a scheduling software and essentially I had you know, a virtual assistant. That's what it felt like. And all of a sudden I saved myself hours every week and that was so worth the $15. And then as my business has grown, I've increased the softwares I'm investing in to increase the automation process. So don't think it's either you have to pay for like that really expensive software at the beginning, like find some simple, smaller ones and then up level as you go. That makes sense. I've shifted a few times. Things have worked out. Things haven't. Some of the things I'm still using from when I started my business almost five years ago and um, some, some, some things I've just leveled up into and it's feeling really good and super helpful. So thanks for that hack. So when you're at the beginning of your business and, you know, you have a certain amount of clients or you you have a certain amount of social media platforms you're using or, you know, a certain amount of views on your website, whatever it might be, there are a lot of softwares that have a free option. So you don't even have to spend any money until you you have progressed a little bit. I want to actually share a hack that I observe with you, if you don't want me sharing this. Mm -hmm. One thing that I know Olia has been really good at is Olia has found a coach that she really respects, admires, and learns so much from, and she's stayed consistently with that coach in her space. I don't know how many years now you've been with this individual that you share like insights with me and you do like her monthly calls and stuff, but you have found someone that you resonate with and that she has been a big part of supporting you on your journey. And so I would say that's a hack too is you know, finding, finding a mentor, whether you're paying for their services or you're just following them and learning from their free things like email and podcasts. Like if you're finding people that are helping you on your journey, stay with them. Those are also productivity hacks. <laughs> and also let me say here that it's okay not to find your perfect match on the first, of the first time. And right. Because I've, I think we've all, it's not possible to find, unless you're incredibly lucky, I think you will have some bad experiences or if mm. not bad, not necessarily effective until you find your people. And with that comes also with, it might not be, you know, that those people are not good at what they do. They might just not be your, your people, you know, and that's okay. But to find that you need to experiment a little bit, I think, especially at the beginning. Um, but I, yeah, I do think that, I mean, that shows, you know, Audra, so you're an example of that. You have clients you've been working with for years and that is because you help them progress. I mean, the, <laughs> the solopreneurship can be very lonely. So you, I think you do need your people you do need to find a way to create a system of people as a support well i'll have to say then that the clients i've had for a long time have actually helped me progress because they keep me on my toes and challenge me to continue to grow and learn so i can continue to be a service to them versus they outgrow me which i'm sure i want at some point i want them to and some do outgrow like a lot outgrow I me and i want them to go on to the next level that of support that they need that i'm not it's not my area of expertise anymore i'm ready to support them with but i think it goes both ways Olya, thank you so much for today. Um, I've absolutely loved talking with you and we've covered so much that I'm sure if not everything has resonated with the listeners, there's been at least one thing because we've, we've delved into so many different areas. Uh, how can the listeners connect and or work with you? 
Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, to Audra. And I mean, for me, it's just another Monday, to be honest. You know, we do this yeah. Every yeah. anyway. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at The Dancer Next Door. And my website is thedancernextdoor.com. On Facebook, I'm also The Dancer Next Door. It's The Dancer Next Door. If you type that, that should come up. If you want to connect more with Olia, go ahead and follow her in those locations. Check out our website. She's just a gem to connect and follow with. I mean, of course I'm biased, but it's true. So <laughs> final question for today. What does it mean to be the CEO of your life and business? It means freedom, which to me is my greatest value, the most important thing in the world. Freedom, not just financially, but also the fact that you can design your days, you can be with your family or the people who are important to you. That to me has proven the most important aspect of it, actually. Yeah, I have to agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ganolia. Absolutely loved having you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Audra. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Dance CEO Podcast, where aspiring or established dance business owners and entrepreneurs learn to become the CEO of your life and business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review and rating. To stay up to date and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me, your host, on Instagram at the Dance CEO Coach. Until next time.